At the exit to the uh, offices is a lost and found, and in the lost and found, without exception, uh, there usually is about 20 pairs of glasses. <laughs> Which leads me to ask a couple questions. Is God healing people's sight? <laughs> is it really safe to drive on the road after service lets out? Or do you just buy cheap glasses? Well, it was either last week or perhaps this morning uh, that somebody lost a piece of jewelry. And uh, it looks to be something that most of us uh, would not want to be without. So if you lost a piece of jewelry, just come and see us after uh, church is over. I need to know whether or not you lost it or you were trying to put it in the plate and it fell on the floor. <laughs> figure out, trying to figure out. It's a technicality. I'm hoping you were clumsy. All right, so I got a slide I want to come up here. We're going to look at John chapter 2 here in a moment, so you can get there. I got a slide. I think I have a slide ready. And it has to do with how many days you and I typically live. Okay, do we have that slide? Here it is. No, that's not it. That is definitely not it. All right, well, this won't go well. We're eaten up with zeal, but not really to put the slides together correctly, apparently. All right, so this, the, here we go. 79, the, the life expectancy in the United States of America has just dropped for the second time in two years. Wow. It's now about 79.1 years. Uh, which gives you about 28,835 days to live. All right? Let's say you're 40 years old. You've already lived 14.6. Find your age on there somewhere. We'll keep going. I know some of you aren't going to really be satisfied with this slide, but it's really irrelevant for you. If you're 70, you've lived 25 of 28. 75, you're 27. Okay, so 80,000, you're over. You're like on borrowed time. You've already got one year borrowed. 85, you're, you're, you're already 21.90 ahead of the game. And then we got uh, 90. And we have someone here, I believe is 97. Uh, he is 6540 over the, t the allotted 28,000 in the United States of America. Now, please don't email me. I know God ordains our days. I'm just giving you an idea here uh, of the 28,835 days. And I haven't added in leap years because I got better things to do than calculate within three or four days. But... Um, that's all you get down here, right? And uh, I happen to be, uh, I don't know, about 3,000 away of my allocation. So I'm asking myself, what am I going to do for the next 3,000 plus days? Now that I'm asking that, I'm asking it, how am I going to do it? With what frame of mind? With what uh, underlying attitude am I going to approach the remaining days? of my life, and I want to encourage you to consider the same. Um, and as long as we're doing that, why don't we use Jesus as a model? Um, we're looking now at John chapter 2, verse 13 through 17. When it was almost time for the Jewish Passover, Jesus went up to Jerusalem 
In the temple courts, he found people selling cattle, sheep, and doves, and other things, others sitting at the tables exchanging money. So he made a whip out of cords and drove all from the temple courts, both sheep and cattle. He scattered the coins and the money changers and overturned the tables. To those who sold doves, he said, get these out of here. Stop turning my father's house into a market. His disciples remembered that it is written, zeal for your house will consume me. You see this also in Psalm 69, verse 9. Zeal for your house will consume me. That's what I want to talk about this morning. Zeal for your house will consume me. Jesus is angry um, with a righteous indignation. Anger is not a sin, you know this. Although in our anger, the Bible tells us not to sin. So those of you who came over here thinking that your temper was a sin, I got good news for you. Although, what do you do with that anger and what you do in that anger? This, now this is something we gotta deal with. Jesus was most intensely upset because the money changers had corrupted all that the house of God stood for. They were exacting in today's dollars, billions of dollars in today's dollars from people in the way they exchanged their money or sold the sacrifices. It was a grievous, grievous sin. And he's quite angry about it, as you can see. Kudos to his disciples who remember the Old Testament scripture that zeal for your house will consume me. All right, let's talk about zeal. Zeal is uh, another word for it. A synonym would be uh, ardor. It was uh, a passion is a word we often use for zeal. Um, There is inherent to this word in the Greek a fierceness about it. A fierceness, a pointedness, a... uh, intensity uh, to this zeal. It is both the excitement of one's spirit and one's mind. It is a fervor, a fervor of spirit. Uh, Usually in behalf of, in defense of someone or something, or one would say uh, for a person or a thing. There's a line that you come to when everything is okay, and then that line gets crossed, And now you have this fervor, this zeal. And it better be righteous because it's quite effective and we want it to be effective for the right thing. It's a tool uh, to make a statement. It's an expression to defend truth. It is a corrective device, in Jesus' case, to clear the temple of the charlatans. We have charlatans today in the church. who deceive people and take their money and lie and make false claims. And usually they have something to peddle, a book, a TV ministry, something. The, re- the reason TV ministries, no, certainly not all, come on. No, the, there's some very good TV ministries, but the televangelist, the stereotypical televangelist that's ripping people off doesn't have a congregation, doesn't follow the Bible in giving. So they sell something, they sell a good, usually with false claims to it. Well, that's what these guys were doing. See, there's nothing new under the sun. That's what these guys are doing. And Jesus is responding to that with zeal. 
uh, an intensity uh, that likens itself to an envious jealousy. Uh, consider like a, a very insecure man who is always hovering over and worried about his girlfriend or his wife cheating on him. He's so insecure, he's always in a state worked up in his insecurity of, uh, of envy and jealousy in a very negative way. That's a negative side of this word zeal. Uh, it's a neediness to it. And Jesus is saying, I have a zeal for my father's house. Now, this is interesting. He has a zeal for his father's house. All right, let's turn the clock back a little bit. About 2,000 plus years. He has a zeal for his father's house. I guess he means the temple, obviously, for which they are sitting in front of. And the temple where people brought sacrifices. The temple where they had the brazen altar that represented the cross. The temple where the labor of cleansing represented the Holy Spirit. Represented the, Holy Spirit. the temple where the holy place where the altar of incense represented the prayers of the people of God, where the, the table of showbread represented the body of Christ, uh, literally and figuratively, where the, the lampstand represented the oil of the Spirit, uh, the ho- most holy place to, where the presence of God was. That's what it was. That's what it was. He had a zeal to protect the integrity of and the atmosphere and immediate presence of God. He had a reverence for the Father's presence in the most holy place. It wasn't the system as much as it was the presence. It wasn't the meaning behind the system, the symbolism behind the system as much as it was the presence. He, he was aware wherever he went. When he came up to Jerusalem, when he hung around at the southern steps, some of you have been there with me and Angie, and some of you will be there in a month or two. Where he stood... It didn't matter where he was on the planet. Throughout Palestine, he was aware of the manifest presence of God in the most holy place. And don't go messing with the presence. Don't do the money thing, the deceptive con artist thing. Don't do the grifter thing. Don't do the charlatan thing. I'm not gonna put up with it. You You can do a lot of things out there, but you don't corrupt the presence. You don't do it, and he wouldn't allow it. And and this is the first thing about zeal. If we want to have zeal, you got to use your zeal both here and in the world, your passion for Christ, your enthusiasm for Christ, your vigor, your, your vitality, your fervor for Christ has to be maintained in an appropriate way so that it reverences the presence. And he had just had about enough as he was going to have right here and dealt with that issue. I don't think they had any question whatsoever what he meant when he turned them over. They didn't come back in an hour, I can guarantee you that. He had a passion for his father's house, and in his father's house was the presence, the presence for your house. It wasn't the temple or the edifice or the ornate decorations. It wasn't the system. It was the presence. And here, here you have the presence of God coming up against, and this happens in the, in the church today. I saw a guy on television who was a preacher. He had, I've heard different quotes, half million, three quarters. Somebody said a million dollars worth of jewelry on under his robes. I told you about him a couple Sundays ago. And he got robbed during the middle of his sermon. Yes. <laughs> and he's being sued by a 92-year-old widow for bilking him her out of her life savings. 
the best robbers I've seen in a long time. I just want to cheer them on. I just want to maybe show them a different church to go to or something. I don't know. But 1 Timothy 6 and 10, the love of money. The love of money is the root of all evil. Follow the money, my friend. Follow the money. The, root, the love of money is the root of all evil, which while some coveted after, they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. It will become increasingly important for ministries in the future to be even more transparent than ever, to be more biblical than ever when it comes to money. A few apples can easily spoil a whole bushel basket. And we have to be on top of that. So here's Jesus coming up against the love of money, not the love of God. There's nothing wrong with money. It's the love of money. So he's got the love of money on one side and the whole temple and all its practices and all its symbolism and the presence of love, the presence of the Father, the presence of love is there and they have a love for money more than they do anything else going around. They are so clueless as to what that thing is all about that they're standing in the shadow of and they totally miss it. Boy, is he zealous about that. He's not only zealous, he's zealous for the house. For the house. He said, zeal for, my, for your house will consume me. This is it right here. You gotta get this before you leave. Consume. Uh, King James says, zeal of thine house hath eaten me up. I love that. You know how you get irritated with somebody? You say, I'm fed up with them. I know you don't say that. I do. Fed up. I'm fed up. Well, I've been hearing this saying a little bit. It's kind of a southern thing, you know. Sometimes you'll hear somebody, usually someone's been here local on the mountain a little bit. That guy's all ed up. He's all ed up with something. Sorry? He's et up. Oh, eaten up. Yeah, eaten up is now et up, by the way. That guy's et up with worry. That guy's all et up with himself. Well, Jesus is fed up, and these people are all et up, and they're et up with money. That's their problem. Now we're going to talk about our walks. To consume means to devour, um, to eat, to, uh, to eat like almost like, like with a ravenous kind of fervor to it, to eat like my dad who passed away recently, he used to eat corn on the cob and it was like a machine gun going at that thing. And, uh, and there was a world map next to one of the tables on the screen porch and one day my sister and I looked at it and go, oh my gosh, there's a kernel of corn on Antarctica. It had flown off the ear. That was et up. He was et up. He, he devoured that corn. And, and I'm just now having a little bit of an issue traumatically really with the sound effects of that whole experience. But he devoured, to be devoured by. To, uh, it, it's almost like in Greek, like a man... Uh, just going through a book really quick, a children's book, just reading it really quick. I did this yesterday. We went through children's book after children's book. 
You can make money writing children's book, I, I think. And it must take, what, 20 minutes? <laughs> so, so I'm reading through this book. Okay, well, that's it, I'm done. I had just turned the cover, and all of a sudden I'm in the back, and I'm looking, where's the rest of it? I'm gone, it, it's gone. I devoured that book, that's consume. That's it, that's it, consume. The zeal of my father's house consumes me. Uh, how else can I share this with you? It's a, it's a consum- consumption of one's thoughts. I'm consumed with the thought because of the passion, the vigor, the, the vitality, and the, and the actual um, zeal of God. I'm consumed with the thought of God. I'm consumed with the things of God. I'm ed up with Jesus. There you go. I'm, uh, not only my thoughts, my feelings. My, my thoughts are starting to get in line with them. My feelings are starting to line up with them. And they don't always, I might want to add in there for some of you. Hey, I'm getting ed up with this thing. I was ed up with Jesus when I first came to him. And this radical, radical change. And he was just consuming me. I was consumed by him. I mean, he had eaten everything else in my life. I didn't have a social life anymore. I didn't have any friends like I used to have. I didn't have any vices like I used to have. All of a sudden, I'm at up. Are you at up? What are you at up with? Most of us are at up with something. Oh, and the greatest, greatest, greatest enemy of the kingdom of God, Satan, no way. He ain't got nothing. What is it then? Well, it's indifference. What, what could be more contradictory than love? Indifference. Apathy. This is the advent. Satan got behind this word, whatever. I heard that for a decade. That just reeks of indifference. Whatever. Well, not whatever. To be, to be consumed with the zeal for God's house is, is not a whatever. It's an ever, and uh, it, it, it gets our emotions, our thoughts, our, it, it impacts our relationships, our motivation. It's, it affects our whole being. We're getting ed up with the Spirit of God. There it is. Now, here's the thing. Some of us know what I'm talking about because you've experienced that, and others of you are saying to yourself right now, yeah, I remember that. I remember that. Now that you, now that you mention it, and in fact, now that you've gone out about it for 20 straight minutes to make a point, I think I'm starting to get it. I remember that. I remember when I was ed up. And now sometimes the absence of being ed up has caused me a little bit to be fed up. Ah, now we're getting somewhere. The potency of God. Um, Some of you come from a, a Catholic background. The potentate. The potentate. It comes from the word potent. Um, The potency of God can be diluted. Can you think, can you imagine that? The potency of God can be diluted. How? By our choices, or lack thereof. Our wrong choices, our no choices, our ambivalence. Remember, you got free will and I got free will. We can, we can dilute potency and water it down to almost nothing. We can water it down so much, we can sit in a church with a watered down, no potency and divine presence, and we can change the Bible and have no, no problem with it whatsoever. That's what we're capable of, human beings. We can choose to change truth if we want, alter it, cut and paste, 
We can do whatever we want with it. We can downgrade the potency of God. And you know what? When we do that, we're not all that different than the people outside the temple with the money changers. It's not money changing, it's truth changing. It's Bible changing. And it will be the downfall of many because the love of many will wax cold. The things that we see happening in this cultural moment we never thought would happen 20 years ago. The openness and the confusion about issues in culture we never thought would come to pass have come to pass and they now roost among us. The things we never thought would happen have happened and are happening. And then read ahead. Hello, that's getting worse. Where are we? Where do we? Where's our zeal? Where's our fervor? Where's our are our thoughts and emotions lined up? Are you ed up with something more than you are the Lord? Fair question. Hebrews twelve and twenty nine. For our God is a consuming fire. <laughs> there it is. If you have if you have a, a perception of God or or relationship with God or or some sort of understanding or mutual respect of God or whoever, whatever your thing is with God, if at times he is not a consuming fire, you're limiting your understanding. Your understanding is limited. It is stunted. It is dwarfed. It is, in, it is incomplete. To walk with God through life in this world, eventually through a trial, through something, through a correction, God will be to you a consuming fire. He's the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. He's not gonna change. He's a consuming fire. There will be times when he will want to eat up things in your life that are keeping you from him. And he's hungry at times. He's a consuming fire. If our walk is totally void of that, we're not dealing with something, we're not open to something, we're not taught the right way, we're not expecting it. He has permission, not that he needs it, to be a consuming fire. It's his nature. It's not what he does, it's who he is. He wants you to be ed up with him. And it grieves him at times. And sometimes my guess is he gets fed up with it. The two greatest commandments, Matthew 22, 36 and through 40. If you really want to understand the Bible, there's your bedrock right here. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? He says, Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Whenever you see a word happen frequently, two times, pay attention, three times, really pay attention. Here's three words that are in that passage that is hard to miss. All, all, and all. All right. All, all, all. That's it up. There it is. That's being consumed. That's zeal. We need to allow the Lord to graze in areas of our life that he might consume those very things that foster in us the whatever. 
Jesus had none of those things present, and his zeal was intense. His protection and reverence and awe of the Father was visible. His disdain for cheating and deceiving people who came to worship was unprecedented. And he loosed his righteous indignation in the shadow of the very temple that stood for everything but that. Now what's he gonna do in this day and time when we start manipulating the scripture? Where's that gonna go? I don't know, but I wanna be here. I don't wanna be there. I wanna be here. I wanna be somewhere where I know that's not taking place. I don't wanna be mistaken for someone who's involved in that. I don't want any part of that. I want you and I want me to be ed up with God. There's a tale told of a great English actor named McCready. An eminent preacher once said to him, I wish you would explain to me something. The preacher says, what's the difference between you and me? You are appearing before crowds night after night with fiction and the crowds come wherever you go. I am preaching the essential and unchangeable truth, and I'm not getting any crowd at all. <laughs> McGrady's answer was this, and it didn't take him long, really. He said, this is quite simple. The actor said to the preacher, I can tell you the difference between us right away. I present my fiction as though it were truth. You present your truth as though it were fiction. No zeal, no conviction. Not et up with the revelation that people are perishing for eternity. Passion, vitality, life, vigor, jealousy. Are you living as though you are living out the truth? Are you et up with it? Alfred Lucock says, I was impressed several years ago when I read Eugene Ormandy's, who actually is a man who dislocated a shoulder while directing the Philadelphia Orchestra. Sounds like maybe Michael Jackson may have been involved in that or something. I don't know. I do not know, or Michael, yeah, Michael Jackson. I do not know what they are playing, but he was giving all of himself to it, and I have asked myself sadly, did I ever dislocate anything, even a necktie? Have you ever so passionately stood for and so boldly proclaimed or defended the honor of Christ in appropriate ways? Those who are et up will eventually dislocate something. I tell you what I would like to dislocate. My fear of man When he was a pastor for the Methodist Church in Scarborough, William Sangster had an eccentric member who tried to be a zealous Christian. Unfortunately, the man was mentally deficient and usually did the wrong thing. While working as a barber, the man lathered up a customer for a shave, came at him with the poised razor, and asked, are you prepared to meet your God? <laughs> the frightened man fled with lather on his face. I think there's a point to be made here. Sometimes you have to holster your passion. especially in this crazy day and age, passion will look differently for all of us. 
It'll sound different. The tone will be different. The volume will be different. But nonetheless, it's passion and it's zeal. There's enough passion out there on various issues of all kinds of things. But the Christian who understands that faith and wisdom travel the same road together, and we are called to be wise like a serpent and gentle like a dove, will move through each and every day, not bored, but sensitive to how best to wield the truth in ways that others will see it for what it is. There are people out there in the name of Christ today defending the cross and defending their ideologies and doing more against the cause of Christ than anything they ever thought possible. They're making a joke of the faith. We're not those people. There is a responsibility to being ed up with the Spirit. There is a responsibility to have a vigor and a passion and a fervor for Christ. There is a responsibility on how to use that so that we build the kingdom. We don't disgrace it. And, and this is something that comes through prayer. It comes through teaching. It comes through trial. It comes through asking. It comes through mentoring. There's a way that we impact this world, and it's not always the same in the same gear at the same speed. Sometimes there's a tenderness and a kindness that leads people to repentance, just like the Lord has. Other times there's a boldness and a quickening and a correction and even a rebuke at times. The question is, two of them actually, how do we express our vigor? And two, more importantly, before we do, how have we established the respect to be heard when we speak. There it is. Have we established the respect as a child of God to speak? And when we do speak to an issue, we'll be heard more often than not, even if we're inappropriate. But as long as we're speaking, let's not be. Sometimes you can catch a whole lot more bees with honey. challenging world we live in. People are easily offended. People are offended before you say anything. They're offended once you say it because they didn't understand what you meant. But in the middle of it all, you and I are called to be consumed with the zeal for the Father's house and to be ed up, consumed by the Spirit. You live in a world that is conditioned and taught on a regular basis to be a consumer and as consumers, rarely will you hear much about anything in life in the marketplace that's not about consumption or the price of consumption or the availability of supplies to consume. You're inundated with advertisements and things constantly. For almost thousands of those days, you've heard advertisements and pleas to prompt you to come, to spend, to do, to buy, to consume, to, to eat, to gorge yourself. And the, and the trouble we have, the difficulty we have as Christians in 2022 in this culture, we're not called to be consumers. We're called to be consumed. And the quicker a believer latches on to that reality, the more influential that believer will be in the world. Our God is a consuming fire. 
Now, passion has its place. Zeal has its place. If you haven't figured it out, if you've been around here a few times, I seem to be a big advocate of passion, being picked up on that. There's another kind of passion, though. And what is that, you say? Well, if I had to put a, a pin on a timeline, it would be in the Garden of Gethsemane. Many of you have sat and prayed. We've prayed together there and worshiped together. There was a moment there in that garden where passion became the passion of Christ. The passion of Christ exists so that you and I can be passionate about him today in a totally different way. His passion was pain-ridden. So pain-ridden, before he was ever physically touched, he began to bleed. At the very thought of becoming one with your sin and mine. It was so intense. He was so ed up with the reality of becoming one with our sin and the sin of every other person who ever lived. He was so ed up with it. He was so consumed by it. He began to leak. What did he leak? Perspiration? No. Blood. Why? Because the only remedy for sin, the only deliverance, the only salvation comes by way of blood. The very thought of it caused him to bleed. Oh my goodness, that's just unbelievable. The very thought of sin. Not only being on the front porch of the temple, but within him, the very thought of it. Hadn't even happened yet, just the thought of it. And he even knew it was coming. It's not like he was ambushed. The very thought of it caused him to bleed. That's holy. That's pristine. That's without spot or blemish. That's the way someone who lives a holy life reacts to sin. The world reacts to sin with, there isn't any. It's not sin. There's no absolutes or whatever. I cannot pastor a church who doesn't at least remind people from time to time that sin is not attractive. We can't be ambivalent towards it because as soon as we do, we become ambivalent to its remedy. Get in touch with the consumption of the Spirit of God who wants so badly to convict you and I of our sin in a loving way that we, my friend, might be et up with the Spirit and not with sin. So he starts to bleed at Gethsemane and they take it on from there. And they beat him and they torture him. And the passion, his passion, passion we don't experience is his and his alone. And he takes it to the cross. The passion inflicted and the pain inflicted upon that body 
It's what we partake of today in remembrance of him. The broken, shred, pierced, afflicted, spit upon, bruised, striped body of Jesus Christ. By his stripes, we are healed. And oh, only by the Spirit, may you dip that bread in that cup, and only by the Spirit, may you become that much, little bit, much more aware of the depravity of sin and the grace of God in the same sentence. There it is. The communicants would come forward. We're going to come to the Lord's table this morning reverently, quietly, soberly, as individuals pondering the grandeur of the love and the grace of God in the same sentence of the depravity of our own sin. I don't know what's weighing on you, but it's far heavier than it's meant to be in God's eyes. His yoke is easy and his burden is light. Pick up that body of Christ, dip it in that cup of the blood and walk away from that encounter knowing you're made whole and you're forgiven. And what you needed, he provided for you in advance because he loves you. There it is. Let's pray. Father, meet each of us where we are as we partake of this, your body, and this, your blood of your son. And Lord, tend to us today. Interact with us today. Heal us of our diseases today. Set the captives free today. Reveal yourself today, new and afresh. We wish to be et up with the spirit of the living God. And everyone said, amen. In a moment, just find the station directly in front of you and soberly, quietly come, and reverently take this beautiful meal together, the Eucharist. Amen.